Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, our regular podcast host, CRC's research director, Mike Watson, is on vacation. So I'm filling in, and I'm thrilled to welcome a lady I've interviewed before on a subject that is everywhere in the news right now. And it's one of great importance to parents and school children, and arguably to sort of the future of the republic. Um, Allie Murray leads the Free to Learn Coalition. It's a group that describes itself as a nonpartisan organization established to support parents, caregivers, and community organizations in their advocacy for quality K through 12 education. If you've been paying attention to the news, you know why this is uh, an important topic. Specifically, the coalition wants to make classrooms safe enough again that students are free to ask questions, free to develop individual thoughts and opinions, free to think critically of ideas and concepts, and free to achieve. So, please welcome Allie to the show. Hey, Allie, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I know I mentioned that uh, you and I have actually spoken before, and I was really um, interested in your group, one of the things that I found most interesting, m- most interesting about it is that through all of the, you know, discussion about what's going on in, with school children and curriculum, you are actually offering a place for parents to anonymously, if they so choose, express how they feel about these issues. Is that correct? That's right. So on our website, freetolearn.org, we have a place for parents to either sign up to join our coalition and receive updates, but also a place for them to share stories about what's going on within their own school districts and communities. Um, And the reason that we felt that that was really important um, is twofold. First of all, we are a parent-driven organization. The places that we are going to be able to be helpful and to offer resources in the future is going to be determined by uh, parents talking to us and telling us that they want us to help. Um, and then secondarily, it lets us kind of see the themes across the country as to what um, issues specifically are important, but beyond that, what the actual challenges are as parents start to push back a little bit on the political curriculum that we're seeing permeating the classrooms. Okay, so let's just jump right into that political curriculum. Recently, it was reported, um, our research director here, uh, Mike Watson, wrote a really great piece for our website um, on the National uh, Education Association, which I believe is the largest teachers union. Um, they have just had a meeting and they've adopted what they called new business item 39. Um, that's a resolution that Mike actually references in his piece, Chris Rufo of the Manhattan Institute and Rufo called it a plan to promote critical race theory in all 50 states and 14,000 local school districts. I'm assuming that's the curriculum you mean. Yes, there's that. Uh, but it's also broader than that. Um, okay. First of all, one of the problems that we see is that in different schools and communities where parents have pushed back, um, we've seen the curriculum actually just be renamed to um, be more wholesome and attractive buzzwords so that parents have a harder time pushing back or identifying it. Um, but there's also been an influx of curriculum related to very young children and sexuality. We've seen that coming out of some of these New York City prep schools that got Mm -hmm. a lot of attention. Um, So critical race theory is obviously a a huge part of this discussion and is is what's 
kind of the front page driver. Um, but one of the things that we try and, and push through our organization is the awareness that um, this is a, a broad program by activists kind of writ large to take over the school system. Um, and I know that sounds kind of kind of sinister, but it really is that uh, broad where there's there are these activists who are pushing political curriculums in schools to influence young children and, and teachers before they have the ability to really develop the critical thinking skills to ask questions. Right. And I think, you know, I'm glad that you <clears throat> that you mentioned that it's broader than just critical race theory, because I think that's a, something that's starting to come out now. You mentioned some of the um, some of the teaching on sexuality that's starting to bubble up. Um, and, and one thing you and I have talked about in the past is that there's a lot of money being thrown at some of this curriculum that is arguably not um, necessarily fact based or maybe um, preparing children for healthy sex lives at the expense of curriculum that allows them to academically achieve. Is that correct? Exactly. And your second point there is where where we place a lot of focus. Um, Fairfax County in Virginia is the perfect example of that. Coming out of the covid pandemic, failing grades in the district have risen 83 uh, percent. And meanwhile, the district just signed a contract that will eventually amount to seven hundred thousand dollars for these out of state. They're not even in local um, out of state consultants to develop a activist curriculum. And a lot of parents are arguing and and we agree with this position. A lot of parents are arguing that that money can and should be better spent to help the kids who are having those failing grades catch back up in school and make sure that they're prepared and able to graduate on time. Um, I spoke to a parent recently who told me that they had to drain their Virginia 529 savings plan, which is a, a college savings plan, um, that they drained all their money from that so that they could use it for an approved secondary education because their kid was falling so far behind coming out of the, the COVID pandemic um, that they their child wasn't even going to graduate on time. So those are where we are hoping to those are places where we are hoping to redirect the conversation to get schools focused back on academic academic achievement and excellence so that our kids don't fall behind um, and miss these very important milestones like graduation. I mean, it's it's not even just failing a class like kids are kids are at the point where they may not even graduate on time. And that's that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for parents who are invested, obviously, emotionally um, because they love their kids uh, in their children's education and their taxpayers. So they're invested in other ways, nor is it acceptable for the children themselves. Right. Who didn't ask for this. That was sort of forced upon them like it was everyone else. But then what does it do to have a an entire generation miss? you know, sort of a crucial year of schooling, especially if you're talking K through 12 in high school. What do you think that does to the country? Well, there's the, of course, the the social implications of it, right, which every 14, 15 year old really feels not being no one wants to be locked in the house with their parents when they could be in school with their friends and playing on sports teams or or extracurricular clubs and activities. Um, but to your point, there's the 
academic hole in that as well. Um, and quite frankly, in, over the last year, we saw a lot of schools that were more concerned with renaming institutions than reopening. Um, and hopefully we're starting to get past that point now. But there is no replacement, as we've seen, um, there is no replacement for in-person instruction and our students are going to be the ones that that um, that suffer for that. You know, over the last decade or so, or so, we've seen the United States either remain stagnant or continue to fall behind other nations around the world. Countries like China, Russia, Slovenia, Estonia, Canada, they all outperform us. Um, and if we continue at this rate, the next time that there is it's a global pandemic. It won't be an American scientist who figures out uh, the vaccine. And I think when you start to put it in those types of terms, people take a step back and say, OK, hold on, wait a minute. Um, whether I agree with what's being taught ideologically or not, this is where I draw the line, because at the end of the day, my kid needs an academic education. Um, and that's what we're hearing as we start to hear from parents across the country. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue. We're hearing from parents of all political stripes, racial stripes, you know, socioeconomic, et cetera. Um, it truly is a broad coalition that touches um, people with parent in their title, not a political party. Okay. So let's, let's then just talk finally this last sort of question. Since you're talking about <clears throat> the politics of all of this, let's talk about the power that teachers unions have played, the, the role they've played in all of this and the power that they have generally. Um, we know that unions tend to skew one direction on the political sort of spectrum. Um, and they are, very, as we mentioned already, the National Education Association, um, Randy Weingarten, uh, Weingarten, who is I think she heads up AFT, which is the American Federation of Teachers, I want to say. Uh, that's the second largest. She's been very, very vocal lately um, about how schools will be allowed to open. What do you think about the role that unions have played in all of this? I mean, I'm not asking you to get political. I'm just curious what you think about these groups, these organizations having this kind of power to keep children out of school. Yeah, I think what's what's most troubling when you look at the developments that that you just said um, and also what's coming out of the the NEA over this past week, what I see as most troubling is that with the vote that occurred earlier this week, um, the NEA affirmed not only that they were going to disregard um, the, the public controversy surrounding some of this political curriculum, but they went a step further. They didn't just say, okay, we're not going to listen. We're not going to hold listening sessions or collaborative conversations with parents. They went a step further and said, we're going to target parents and parent organizations who disagree with us. And to your point, that is a, that is a very dangerous place to be um, because you have a group of adults inserting themselves and standing between parents and their children. Um, and what we're hearing as we talk to parents from across the country, and again, so since we launched, we launched two weeks ago, we have heard from parents in all 50 states and we've heard from thousands of parents. Um, so again, we, we have a, a pretty good sample set here. Um, what we're hearing from them as the biggest problem is that they don't feel like they're heard and being responded to. And when the school boards or the unions or the leadership in the community reacts, 
it's to, quote, cancel or dox them not to have a productive conversation and listen. Um, and parents are are feeling like their only point of recourse to these huge organizations that have um, political and financial backing is through, um, you know, like FOIA requests and public records requests. And th- that's just you know, it's a it's a really unfortunate position for any parent to be in. But B, it's disheartening to feel like you have no say or power in your child's education. Um, so that's kind of what we're hearing as we talk to parents across the country about their children's education. Well, I'm glad that parents have a place that they can go to. And you mentioned the uh, Free to Learn Coalition's website. Is there another way that people, parents, others can follow what you all are doing over there? Yes, uh, freetolearn.org is the best place to go for resources and to, to share your story with us. But we also have a um, Twitter handle, FTL Coalition, and then we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, cool enough. Well, Allie, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I think it's a, you know, a really important thing that you're doing. And I know that parents are kind of, you know, they're out there looking for people like you and your group to sort of help them. I know that they're just like, we don't know what's going on. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, it gives them a place to go and that's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that is our show. Uh, Thanks for listening in. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.